just so I understand, when you say it was a Pepco substation, it wasn't a room, it, you weren't sleeping indoors, right? No, I was sleeping on their steps. So you left the comfort and warmth of your home. Yes. And went to sleep outside. On the steps of, of a business. Because the voices were telling you to do That's so. what they told me to do. Okay. I okay. met Jackie maybe four months after that. Okay. When she came down to my site. When this happened, it was February 2018. Hi, and welcome to Connected, your introduction to D.C. neighbors who have experienced life-changing outcomes as a result of their connection to services and programs in the 202 provided by Mayor Muriel Bowser. I'm Lauren. And I'm Dora. And today, in recognition of Hunger and Homelessness Awareness Week, we're talking with Nina, who after sleeping outdoors off and on for years is now stably housed in a home of her own. Dora, I'll turn it over to you so we can learn more about Nina and the program that helped change her life. Thanks, Lauren and Nina. Thank you for joining us today. Along with Nina, we have Jackie from the Department of Behavioral Health and Maddie from the Department of Human Services. Before we get to Nina's story, Maddie's going to tell us a little bit more about the pre-arrest diversion program. Thanks, Dora. So the Pre-Arrest Diversion Program, or PAD, began in May of 2018 as a follow-up to the NEAR Act, which was legislation passed in the district to use public health approaches to prevent and reduce incarceration. So tell us about DHS's involvement with Pre-Arrest Diversion. So the Pre-Arrest Diversion Program is actually a partnership between the Metropolitan Police Department, the Department of Behavioral Health, and the Department of Human Services, or my agency. We created this program so that for the first time, police officers have an option of diverting individuals into this program so that they can get connected to treatment and wraparound services and harm reduction strategies instead of arrest and incarceration. The program has three clear goals. The first is we want to reduce the number of arrests for people with behavioral health needs and substance use disorders. The second is we want to increase access to and engagement in treatment and behavioral health services. And the third is we want to improve housing stability and access to supportive services. And that's where DHS plays a role. Awesome. So um, I'm hearing that not only uh, is DHS responsible for connecting folks um, experiencing homelessness um, who are challenged with behavioral health issues with housing, but there are other supportive services. Is that right? Yes, that's right. So DHS was also able to help the PAD team get their clients enrolled in uh, Medicaid or health insurance programs. We also helped a lot with connecting to different food supports. So that might include being able to give out gift cards to McDonald's or Subway, or also getting folks enrolled in the SNAP program, which is food assistance. Thank you, Maddie, that's awesome. I think this is a great time to reintroduce Nina. Nina, thank you so much for being willing to share your story with us today. Will you first start out by telling us how you found yourself experiencing homelessness? Well, I I began experiencing homelessness in 2012 of August. I had a physical disability that made it impossible for me to continue on with my education, seek out medical assistance, and live on my own. 
And this first started happening in Richmond, Virginia. So I had to move back to D.C. in August of 2012, and I stayed at the open door shelter. But because of my physical disability, I couldn't stay there anymore because I couldn't walk on my own. So um, when I started feeling a little bit better, I went back to the shelter. I was told that my voucher had come up, and so I wanted housing. So I was experiencing a lot of mental health issues that I wasn't addressing. And uh, I moved into my apartment and started hearing voices and wasn't doing anything to address what was going on with my mental health. The voices what's, told me to move out to 45 East Street. Was hearing voices new for you? Was it this was, a new experience? It was completely new. So it's understandable you didn't know what to do about it. Other than try to talk to people around me but who had no idea what I was speaking of. Mm-hmm. Um, so the voices were telling me not to seek professional help though, mm-hmm. that there was no professional help that could be given to me to help with the voices. Well, around February 2018, and I was living in my apartment still, the voices said that I was going to have to move to 45 East Street Northwest, which is a Pepco substation. And I cried and cried and said, that's not where I want to live. I have a beautiful apartment right here on Connecticut Avenue. And I walked down to 45 East Street. And that's where I stayed. That was February 2018. Just so I understand, when you say it was a Pepco substation, it wasn't a room. You weren't sleeping indoors, right? No, I was sleeping on their steps. So you left the comfort and warmth of your home. Yes. And went to sleep outside. On the steps of of a business. Because the voices were telling you to do that. That's what they told me to do. Okay. I met Jackie maybe four months after that. Okay. She came down to my site. When this happened, it was February 2018. Jackie came down to the site June 2018 to help out a friend of mine who needed their services, and he was staying up the street at the shelter. So they met at my site, and I knew that they weren't there for me because I did not need any of the services that her program was offering. So I didn't have a problem with my friend getting the help. I I think everyone should get assistance. Mm -hmm. And they asked me, would you like to talk to us? And I said no. You, you guys have nothing, <laughs> you have nothing to offer me. And then I found out that they do provide uh, resources to get your identification, and okay. I knew I needed that. So I said, I'd like to meet with you folks so I can get my ID because <laughs> I lost it on the bus in So wait, Nina, here you are sleeping outdoors, and yes. you say, no, I just need my ID. Yes, and That's I'm, all you I'm can actively do hearing the voices, I'm having problems with my disability, I'm sleeping outside. And I'm an active drug user because I was constantly crying from feeling grief from losing my mother. So I needed all their services as far as I was concerned. But in my mind, no, I didn't need anything that they were offering. I just needed my ID. And if they could help me with that, things could go a lot better in my life. (laughs) Things could go a lot better in my life. Okay. I think this is a great time for us to stop and introduce Jackie from the Department of Behavioral Health. Jackie, welcome again. Tell us uh, what you do at DBH and tell us how you met Nina. Hello, uh, my name is Jackie Ellis. I am a social worker with the Department of Behavioral Health Community Response Team. Um, We met Nina in June of 2018 uh, during some routine (coughs) outreach. 
Um, at that time, our program was uh, just the diversion program. Um, and what the diversion program is, it's a collaboration with DHS and MPD uh, to get folks who have some interactions with MPD um, and who are presenting with some behavioral health concerns uh, treatment. Um, and that's how we encountered her uh, in the community. Okay, so um, that's great. That's great background information. Okay, Nina, I'm gonna go back to you. Okay, so now you have allowed Jackie, at least now, to help you get connected with um, motor vehicles to get your identification. Okay, start us back from there. It's July 2018, and I tell her I would like to use her program to get my ID. And she said, do you have any other goals? I said, no, that's a great goal to have. That's the only that's the only goal I have. She came up with a list of things that she thought would be useful to improve the quality of my life. And I told her, no, I'm not doing anything on that list. I don't need any of your services. That was July 2018. By September 2018, um, I was readily seeing my primary care physician um, making an appointment to see my neurospecialist. Okay. And I was still struggling. The thing about her program, these guys are out in the streets every day, all day long, trying to help their clients. And we make it very difficult for them. Um because of the lifestyle that we live. And uh, being untrustworthy. And if you have mental health issues, you're not thinking properly anyway. So it took like maybe three or four months for Jackie to convince me that her goal list was actually my goal list. Mm -hmm. I fought her tooth and nail. So Nina, what, what was the difference? How did, you know, you, have repeatedly told us that you weren't interested in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I get the impression that you had denied previous attempts to get you connected to services. All previous attempts. What is it that um, DBH through Jackie did that was different from anyone else? They met their clients on their clients' terms. Okay, what does that mean? We're out in the street and we're living our life the way we're living it. Uh, They come across so many different scenarios of street life, Mm -hmm. and they're right in the middle of it trying to be there for their client. Regardless of the scenario, they're stopping, getting out, and they're gonna go talk to their client that's in need. Right. No other program is doing that. And that's exactly what we need. That creates trust. You believe this person, because they're out there. They're out there with you in your scene, trying to talk to you and give you help. Just to say hello. Nobody else is doing that. And we need that. Okay. We do. So tell us, Nina, what is it like now to be in your own home? It's amazing. Jackie and I were just talking about that on the way here. Um, It's so nice. Just I was living in a tent. After I moved out of, I had a bed on the street. And the city came and they took the bed away. And this woman that works at the the tax program, she, uh, her daughter bought me a tent. So I moved into the tent. So I lived in the tent up until I moved into my apartment. And the normalcy of just being able to get up and go to the bathroom or go to the kitchen to take a shower, to turn on a light, right. to just be able to stand up and you're not over, bent over because the tent has a certain height length. 
sometimes it is overwhelming just to know this is this is this is my life again and I appreciate that but how difficult I made it for this woman in order for me to just get back into a normal routine I fought and I could have had this a lot sooner but I denied myself and it, it's mental health it's mental illness is a real event so now that you are um, stably and safely housed, mm -hmm. how are you addressing your mental health needs and some of your other needs? Does it make it easier? Um, are you, um, you know, progressively doing better? Tell us about where you are in life now. How I spend my day is different than before. Um, clearly because I'm not homeless, so that's a big difference. Um, I'm more proactive about my mental health. Uh, I needed a new psychiatrist. November is a trigger month for me. That was my first suicide attempt, November 2014. So uh, I know that the month was coming up soon and that I hadn't seen a psychiatrist since May. N not that I feel suicidal, but I don't want to become suicidal. Good for you. Just being proactive. And uh, the program and being affiliated with these guys made that possible for me to have that thought process again. These guys have been on me about getting a new psychiatrist, taking my medication, mm -hmm. and I don't like taking medication. I don't have a problem with seeking out therapy, but I knew that this was something I needed to do before the year's end and before November became a problem as a month. And so I, saw, I sought out a psychiatrist uh, at the end of October. That would have never happened before. I just would have went to the street and waited for one of these guys to show up. Right. And then they would have to force me to go and get some help. Right. That's the biggest difference. Awesome. I can be proactive myself and actually complete a task. Before I couldn't even walk up the street two blocks to get to a medical appointment. They had to come from their offices to pick me up, to bring me two blocks up to go see my doctor because mm -hmm. I couldn't make it up the street. Okay, Jackie, let's yeah. hear from you more. So we know how you met Nina. Mm -hmm. um, why were you so determined to make sure that Nina got connected to the services she needed? Um, well, that, that is what we do. Uh, so she uh, mentioned earlier that she gave us a hard time. I'll say that I, I don't believe she gave us a hard time. Uh, we have an understanding that um, recovery is not always linear. And the reason why we're here, the reason why community supports are here is to support people through really difficult times with the understanding that um, some of the behavioral health challenges make it difficult to do those things independently. Mm -hmm. um, so. We were out conducting regular outreach because that's what we do, not just with her, but with other clients. Um, she did have uh, a really great set of initial goals for herself. It's okay to just need an ID. That's a great starting place. Mm -hmm. The whole point of our program is to meet people where they are in the community um, and build from there, um, depending on what that means for that particular person. Um, and so through just doing what our program is intended to do, uh, we were able to support her with the goals um, that she wanted for herself. I heard her say that, you know, I had goals for her. There's things that we talked about, and we talked about what it would look like to eventually get to that place. So these are things that, um, you know, that she chose to uh, start working on on her terms when she was ready, and we were there to support her. 
Okay. So tell us more about um, your outreach efforts through pre-arrest diversion or otherwise, because, you know, for so long, many had tried to get Nina to come inside Mm -hmm. to get her the services she needed, and you guys were successful. So I understand it's a partnership among multiple agencies. DHS provides some housing and other wraparound services. But tell us a little bit more about DBH's involvement. Okay. So um, our program, we are in kind of constant communication with our uh, community partners. So that's MPD, that's DHS, um, that is uh, community members Mm -hmm. who are giving us feedback on um, areas of concern, uh, places where they've noticed uh, a need. And when we get that feedback, we in turn and do the outreach. Uh, okay. We engage folks, we create relationships. And uh, that's the big piece. So not going out with the objective of getting people to move off the street or getting people to uh, stop doing whatever they're doing that uh, is raising concern, but to first kind of establish relationships with folks right. and figure out what they need, what they want. So the engagement is progressive. Is that what you're saying, Jackie? Absolutely, yes. So tell us how many residents have been engaged by the pre-arrest diversion program to date, and um, when did it start? So um, our program started, uh, the diversion program started spring of uh, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, since that time, we've had hundreds of referrals. Okay. Um, sometimes some of the folks that we are working with Um, the work that we're doing is just that day. We're able to assess them in the community and get them connected to the right community-based supports. Uh, Sometimes the engagement, as you mentioned, is is ongoing. Um, We could be working with them for over a year. Um, But up to this point, we've received probably over 300 referrals. Wow. So tell us about the process of getting Nina housed. Who's better to answer that question? Is that um, you, Maddie, or you, Jackie? Well, um, the the process of getting your house was actually... Um, you did that. It, it had a lot to do with DHS. Okay. Uh, DHS was amazing with that process. So, uh, it, you know, Nina came to us and she said, I'm ready. And from there we said, okay, let's do it. And I reached out to DHS, uh, Dallas Williams. Okay. Uh, and he was amazing. Um, he so looked in, mm-hmm. just for context, Dallas Williams leads our homeless services uh, coordination and um, unit at DHS. Yes. Uh, so he was very helpful. He looked into what we would have to do to get her um, housed. And I think that uh, we, came, we created a plan. We went out into the community, um, you know, and we found Nina and we talked her through what we needed to do next. Okay. Okay, very good. So Nina, is there anything you wanna say to folks who may be sleeping outside, who may be in a place that you were a little over a year ago? Yeah, I know it's difficult to trust that folks out there actually do care and that the services aren't going to be able to give you what you need. But I know the diversion program was actually very helpful to me and I've seen them be helpful to other people. And so, I can't really speak on the other programs because I did not successfully engage any of them. I was unwilling. So if you just have some willingness, um, you can get the help you need and improve the quality of your daily standing. And that's what it's really all about. Nina, you're amazing. 
Jackie, if there's someone who's listening who wants to get help, mm-hmm. um, if there's an officer, an MPD officer who's listening who knows of a person who needs help, how can they get involved with the diversion program? Yes. Um, so. I, uh, we are here to help. Uh, we are now um, referred to as the community response team. Um, so that is uh, three teams that have come together. That's the diversion program, homeless outreach program, and mobile crisis, uh, which is our mobile team that goes out and responds to individuals who are having a behavioral health crisis. Uh, so again, we're 24-7. Um, folks can call us at uh, 202-673-6495 or 202-673-9300 at any point of the day or night. If you um, are in need or if you know somebody that's in need, you can definitely give us a call. Jackie, may I just ask you to repeat those phone numbers one more time? Absolutely. Just in case folks missed it, and then uh, we're going to let you go. Sure. 202-673-6495 and 202-673-9300. Thank you, Jackie and Maddie. And thank you, Nina, for sharing your story. And thank you for listening to our first episode of Connected. This series is brought to you by the D.C. Department of Human Services and 202 Creates under the administration of Mayor Muriel Bowser.